0: This is Masks Off. I am Tia Fagan. And I'm Kim Gross. Who are you behind the masks you wear? We are here to have real conversations about how to live a more empowered and authentic life. So join us. Remove your masks. Live your life. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Masks Off. I'm Kim. And I'm Tia. And today we are excited to have Danuka with us. We're going to have a great conversation today. And as always, I'm going to begin with our quote, and then we'll share the topic for today. So the quote is, don't be afraid to shed your skin. Your next iteration gloriously awaits and that's from Dr. Shafali, and we'll explain more in, in a few minutes. Um, but first, Danuka, do you want to introduce yourself in your own words? Tell us who you
1: are, what you do, anything that you want to share with the listeners. Sure. Thank you for having me. First of all, um, so my name is Danuka Ranasingha. I have a business called The Parenting Evolution. Um, I am evolving. That's what I'll start off with, because the I am's are so <laughs> form based. And I feel when you said, tell me about yourself, I, said, I don't know where to go with that one. It's a because <laughs> um, I am a mother of two wonderful boys who really are my teachers on this path of consciousness, um, but recognizing that this is my own conscious living um, so, I have a preschool as well. I've had it for 13, almost 14 years now. Um, 50 children who have, again, hundreds of children have passed by me, and I have learned so much from them. Um, I am a conscious parenting coach as well. And yeah, so that's where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Wow, and you do emotion code too, which is amazing. That's fine. Well. I do emotion code, energy <laughs> healing as well. Yes. What
0: is that? Can you say a little bit more about that?
1: Emotion sure. code. So the emotion code is a tool or a modality of energy healing. Um, and what it does is it taps into our subconscious mind because our subconscious mind is really the majority of what our conscious, it's not our conscious, but of our mind. Um, and so... The subconscious knows everything about what we've inherited, what emotions have been trapped when we were in our mother's womb, for example, what emotions were trapped when we were children, right? An incident with your friend, with your mother, your father, your sibling that happened that we trap an emotion maybe of abandonment, maybe of insecurity, anger, resentment, all these emotions get trapped in us. And the subconscious can tell you when, because a lot of the time, have you noticed that you know a feeling, but you can't remember when? or where, or sometimes you can't even identify the feeling. It's like, ugh, this is so uncomfortable, and I can't identify it. So the emotion code helps identify it, which then from the subconscious brings to consciousness, which then is kind of that marriage of life and death, the duality of life and death. We give what was dead life to have its death again, Mm -hmm. right? So that emotion then, and it's dealt with, it is felt, it is released. Um, and that's what consciousness really is—is is about bringing awareness to that, to be able to live authentically without the conditioned ways of all the these ego-based um, conditions. Yeah, all those masks, right? All the masks. Yes. <laughs>
0: That's beautiful. I love that. I've not heard of that before, but it's beautiful, and I think it plays very well into what we're going to talk about today. Because as I was sharing before we started recording, that um, I was doing a Peloton ride this morning, and one of my favorite instructors is Robin Artzon. and she always says that you know, pain is your power. Pain is your power. But I was saying to Tia and to you that not everyone can allow that pain in our lives to become our power. So it's pain. Pain is your power if you allow it, if you transform it, if you raise your consciousness, if you do the work that you just described in terms of feeling your feelings, you know, and handling everything in the moment so that you can transform it. So not everyone does. So maybe we could talk about how we have used pain in our lives as an opportunity to make it become our power.
2: Yeah. And it's even just recognizing, you know, is life happening for me or to me? You know, so it's that shift of recognizing, Hey, this pain is here for my growth. What is, what is it whispering? What, what is lying underneath the surface? Because You know, there's physical pain, right? You fall, you break your leg or something like that. And then there's the emotional pain or the spiritual pain because of an experience that it may not even be what's happening in the moment, but it's triggering, activating something from our past that, you know, just like you were talking about, you don't even know what it is, but it's a feeling, but it's familiar. And so, yeah, so.
0: And I didn't know that I didn't know that my whole life, you know, I did not know, right. None of we exactly. So I felt a victim for most of my life. I felt like a victim, like life was happening to me. It was, you know, I, the universe was out to get me. This one was out to get like, why, why, why is this happening to me all the time? Because I didn't understand that concept of this is for me. This, this opportunity is here for me to grow. It's a learning lesson, whatever. So, yeah, so I don't. Um, I can certainly share one that comes off the top of my head um, and they're kind of tied together. So I was diagnosed in 2005 and, and, and also I think maybe just before I start with that, I'm going to kind of separate it out into saying that there are certain like life experiences, like the one I'm about to share, you know, maybe, maybe it could be a rape or it could be an illness or it could be an accident, something like that, a particular event like that, or it can just be something, you know, from childhood that's ongoing, like just pain that I kept having throughout my life that came from childhood. So this one particular one that I'm sharing about the autoimmune disease is more like um, an event that took place where I was diagnosed in 2005 with this illness. And Maybe they are kind of tied. Let's see. Let's deconstruct because, right? As Gabor says in his book, right? When the body says no, or even Louise Hayes talks all the time about you know what um, physical things are tied to emotional and spiritual. And before I was diagnosed, like I mean, everyone knows from listening to this show what a people pleaser I have been and am, and completely. You know, the martyr, I ignored my own needs. I ignored myself at the expense of others. I always put others first before myself. And then when I was, it took six years to get the diagnosis. I was really sick after having both of my kids. And once I finally got it, I was like, okay, 2005, the diagnosis. It's like, I have to do something now. This disease taught me self care, this disease made me and forced me to take care of myself I had to learn how to slow down I had to exercise I had to change my eating like I had to do all of these things plus heal the emotional and inner pain that I was carrying and I had to learn about being this people pleaser which was really really hard because I still you know then I had kids and you're putting your kids first but it taught me it was painful on a physical level it was painful on a mental emotional level and spiritual Level And it taught me that I need to do something different. So that was like a pivoting, defining moment in my life where I took the pain and transformed it into power. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other one that was just like, kind of tied to the autoimmune, but it was lifelong was that since I was 10, I've had an eating issue disorder slash, um, And always struggled with overeating and always struggled with my weight since I was 10 years old. It took me all the way until like just this past summer to really be able to break that cycle. And so, but it was the pain that I felt, the mental emotional pain that I felt when I would overeat, when I would eat emotionally, when I would gain weight and then lose weight and then gain weight and then have something have so much control over me. Like it was so painful, especially when I, or not even especially, but when I was a teenager struggling with those and feeling like, I really honestly felt like there was something wrong with me when I was a teenager, because I would go to a friend's house and the friend might not even care, could care less about cookies or food or whatever. And I would watch them eat and say, Like they just ate a little bit and then they were done. And I wanted to like, oh, I wanted to eat more and more. Like what's wrong with me? You know, why Mm -hmm. can't I stop? Right. So like I had this pain through my whole entire life and I kept on working on different things. I tried so many modalities, so many different ways to heal that pain, to get rid of that pain. Sometimes resist it, push it away. And then come back to, okay, what do I have to heal? What do I need to learn? And it took, you know, 40 years to, to do that. But I feel like now I have taken that pain and I've transformed it. And it's now a power because now I feel that I have peace around food for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. So there's the difference between like kind of two isolated, like one was more kind of like, okay, an illness, you know, which again, now, like I have healed so much. Do I still have Sjogren's? Yes, I still have Sjogren's. I can manage it. And I'm a lot, I'm off all medication. I exercise all the time. I box, I run, you know, I do all these things that I couldn't do pre 2005. But I, I took those, those two life situations and worked on them and then transformed it into something powerful, and I think that was the message that Robin Artsone was trying to, you know, ex- to um, say. And the quote as well that you sh- that you brought up with Doctor Shafali: "Don't be afraid to shed your skin; your next iteration gloriously awaits." So, the same thing. Yeah. But I could have with either one, and I know many people who, and it's not to fault them, but maybe they just aren't aware or awake. But I, and I could have certainly with either one of those situations, the food or the health played the victim and not even tried to do anything different in my life and just accepted this is my fate. I mean, how many people I know that have autoimmune diseases, the one that I have, this is, this is the card I was dealt. What, there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. Or this happened to me, there's nothing I can do about it.
1: And I wanted to add, Kim, that it's such a different feeling. And once you've experienced that empowerment, mm-hmm. you look at the victimhood and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize it was there. I don't recognize that person anymore. And the yeah. embodied feeling is... It's heartfelt. It's not just an intellectual knowing, it's a feeling of empowerment, mm-hmm. um, which is what I'm getting from your story.
0: 100%. 100%. I do feel that it is an embodiment, and I do feel different than I used to.
2: It's shifting that. Danuka, you were sharing one iteration for you that pain was right. really transformed and really uh, took the quote
1: too full full circle and how it has shifted your life so it was really about the conscious living although at the time I wasn't in the knowing of consciousness if you know what I mean I didn't understand (laughs) it but I think I had embodied something or I was intuitive I had my gut was really strong Mm -hmm. and when so I had um completed I was New York licensed attorney um moved to California and I was doing legal recruitment been in the corporate world ever since I left university um and that's all I knew because that's all sometimes we know right when we're in that environment and the education and the academics and all of that these are the careers that are given to us Mm -hmm. this is your choice um and Having been in that, I was so burnt out. I was so burnt out with the corporate world, with the superficiality, with having to live up to a patriarchy, being in suits, being so formal, smoothing attorneys, partners, financial institutions, and it was just not me. So that pain, it was physical. It was becoming physical because it was an emotional stress. so much so that I was also feeling indigestion all the time. It was this feeling um, of physical pain. And I just couldn't take it anymore. That pain, one day I woke up and I said, that's it. I had just finished reading Robert Shermer's book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, who was also an attorney and then became a Uh monk. And I was like, this, he's talking to me. He wrote this book for me. put that book down that night. I woke up in the morning and I was like, that's it. I'm working with children. Wow. Mm. And initially I knew I had wanted to work with children because I had taken law so that I could do family law and practice family law, but I realized I would get too emotional. It was too difficult for me to work against a system again. Uh, huge system where am I going to make that change right Um, so again that pain was there but my gut my instinct was that no you need to do this I knew nothing about children I knew nothing about early childhood education but that pain was enough to be my portal Mm -hmm. to take me to that place of making a life-changing decision Um, income was great why would I change that But the pain was great enough to sit in it and want to make a change that wasn't going to be so comfortable maybe right Mm -hmm. going through the education going through the financials of needing to get into this path um and then not making any money right all of that um but that was my path and that pain was enough to make me make that change so that's where the iteration the next iteration of shedding that skin yeah. was the unknown. I was stepping into an unknown as well. Of I don't know where this is going to go, but this feels right. My gut is telling me and I'm going to listen to it. Mm-hmm. So now when I look back, I'm like, no wonder it was so strong. No wonder I could do it because I listened yeah. to my gut. And even that
2: unknowing, that uncertainty, the discomfort that comes with uncertainty for many people was less than staying in your situation. And you probably, if you had not made that shift and listened to your gut and taken the pain that was showing up, would have manifested even deeper physically, for instance, you were already getting physical
1: symptoms. Absolutely. My physical symptoms showed up when I was in my final year at law school as well, Mm, which again, I didn't realize. I had had to have two blood transfusions um, during my final year at law school. But again... And there was no diagnosis. Not, no one knew what. Sure. But now that I know and I have the education that I do, um, I recognize that, wow, that was the stress manifesting physically for me. Because mm-hmm. there was no other way it would come out. Right. You were just
2: powering through, doing what you were supposed to. Right. Checking right. off those boxes. Yeah. So, yeah. So once you made that shift, you know, because like Kim made the shift and, you know inner healing, inner growth, inner acceptance, all of that. What have you noticed for you now, you know, running a successful preschool, working with families, which you clearly wanted to do, you know, you're talking about family loss. So now it's just working with families differently, so that you've stepped into this new skin. And what other like, what is it like for you? Because I'm obviously pain still shows up, right? It's not that the pain
1: doesn't show up again doesn't show absolutely it's there all the time and like i was saying before it's like i thought i dealt with this already why is it still here (laughs) but it just goes deeper and deeper but to answer your question where i am right now is in complete liberation Mm. that's what it feels like um i feel that i am in control of only me and that is empowering and liberating in itself right that you're not relying Mm -hmm. on someone else to make you happy you're not relying on someone else to show you that lesson it just Mm -hmm. is and I will deal with my nonsense that's going on in here (laughs) Um, but it's the daily work that I think really helps in our parenting as well is that it's okay for my children to see me break down and see the pain as well and i'm comfortable with that whereas before i would have been in that role of mother i cannot break down i need to be strong blah blah um but i've really moved away from the labels of it and really become more human actually (laughs) more human but recognizing that my spirit is really there to guide me in this human form for my children who have also chosen me in their own spiritual beings. I love that too, because, you know, the role of mother, right?
2: We have to be a certain way, act a certain way, get things done, you know, Kim, and you're taking care of the kid, you know, and I have that too, but recognizing and you stepping into and modeling your process when the pain and the hurt and those feelings come up that's breaking that generational pattern where we evolve and like we don't deal with those big feelings those painful feelings like oh you know what oh you're okay someone has it worse than you or we belittle that experience so you modeling for them hey i'm in pain right now Yeah, I'm angry right now or I'm sad or whatever that big feeling is, gives them permission to do that as well. So maybe the pain is the portal, the pain is the evolution for them may not be so scary or intense because they've been practicing feeling difficult feelings and pain much longer than any of us have, I imagine, because I wasn't feeling those
1: feelings growing up. And I feel like when Kim was Pertnology. talking about the autoimmune um, um, diagnosis and, you you know, doctor Gabo Gabor-Mate talks about how um, we repress and we depress those and not feel it. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly, again, where emotion code comes in and it identifies it to release and relieve that physical pain. So what it does in emotion code is we are balancing our natural ability to heal. It's not the healing, it's a catalyst for healing. But once we are aligned in our bodies naturally by removing those trapped emotions, we're also physically healing ourselves or allowing ourselves to naturally physically heal. Yeah, that's definitely was
0: a part of my process with healing from this autoimmune is doing so much inner work. I mean, so many different modalities. It doesn't matter how, you know, sometimes it it was healing alone, you know, with myself crying, feeling the feelings. And then sometimes it was with a practitioner or a therapist or whatever, you know, there was years and years and years of this kind of inner work and healing to get to the point now, like if I have pain now, Occasionally it's old stuff, but most of the time it's something new, you know, like um, my dad has dementia and he's struggling. So, you know, it's, it's sad to watch someone you love go through what he's going through. Or if I'm angered, even still, I, you have to be careful with the angry stuff because is it triggering something from the past, but very rarely now today compared to uh, five years ago. 10 years ago, where that pain that kept coming up all the time was inner child stuff. It was all from the past. And T and I talk about this a lot in our podcast, that it was just past stuff that still had to come up and it had to be healed and dealt with in the moment. I would always say when I, before I knew better, oh, when this happens, then I will be blah, 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 you know, whatever. When this happens then, and I would put off hand dealing with whatever to the future nope not gonna happen not gonna heal it in the future gotta heal it right now right here in this moment it's coming up for a reason going back to pain is your power when the pain comes up you got to handle it in the present moment look at all the peas we have pain present moment <laughs> you know it's just like you know so anyway what about you tia i digressed what about you
2: I mean, I think you both had some beautiful examples, you know, and, but it can also be little things, you know, so, I mean, I had a, you know, I was an engineer, so I had that transforming thing, just like you, um, you know, cause I went into engineering, I wanted to be an environmental engineer, not under, you know, cause I wanted to help the environment, but of course, like you were talking about with systems and stuff, I just helped um, companies legally pollute the air within the regulations you know so it wasn't quite what i had envisioned as helping the earth as an engineer you know so transforming that aspect but even just little things you know i, I was trying to think of something but um so you know we're recording this now it's november it's not going to be released i think till february but in waukesha there recently was a um horrible accident at a holiday parade And it brought up, you know, it was people died, children were injured, and it's still unfolding. Um, And so there was pain, you know, and I read an article, I really didn't get too far into it, because I knew my nervous system didn't need the details, I had enough. Um, but I did read one article the following day after it happened. And it was a mother said her, I think her, it was a two-year-old daughter and she's like, oh, she's shaken up, but she's safe and she's fine. And that just got me. And I was holding it and processing because I just envisioned this little two-year-old who her body has taken in this trauma. And we have that choice of do we help her through that pain and let it release from her body or is it going to be you're safe, you're fine. You know, and I don't know what the mother's experience is going to be with that, but you know they're, whether they witnessed the accident or were just at the parade and they felt the energy, all those children, infants, you know, that trauma goes into their body and they may not have that memory like you're talking about, but it's still there. And so the pain I was feeling was another opportunity to be like, okay, I can't fix or save the entire world and all these families. So I had to go in and recognize, you know, okay, first what's going on with me? You know, okay, that's it's hard and it's difficult, but there's a piece within me. So what can I transform? So recognizing, okay, I see you, I hear you. This is painful, this is happening all over the world in all sorts of different ways. This is just an example that was an hour from where I live. But just knowing that all these bodies there just took in pretty horrific trauma and they're not gonna necessarily have memories in the pain. And so how is, what's their portal gonna be? How are they gonna transform that? Is it gonna manifest into illness? Is it gonna manifest into projection? hurting others because the pain is with them, they don't even realize. So I was noticing my own pain and the collective pain. So that was a, something that came up for me when we were talking about pain, because it's, it's everywhere, really.
0: So that's interesting, like how you, so we always talk about, you know, um, is it bringing up something from the past? Do you feel like that situation, like when you went inward, do you feel like, that particular event is triggering something in you where you felt like maybe when you were young that you couldn't um save or rescue like you saw family somebody close to you or or was there actually do you think there was actually trauma for you at some point that and you or is it do you know what i mean is it bringing up either when yeah So like Danuka was saying, I don't know if I
2: have a specific memory, but there's something in me feeling. like, it's just a feeling. Um, One thing I can relate it to directly is, you know, my daughters were NICU babies. And so Mm. here they were at literally minutes old, separated from me and separated from each other for days, Mm. you know, I mean, even though I would go visit them all the time in the hospital, do as much kangaroo care, breastfed which was a whole big process with NICU babies, you know, you feed, you weigh, you supplement, you feed, and then you weigh, um, you know, so knowing that that's trauma and it was trauma for me too. So it's, mm-hmm. I don't have to identify. And that's the beauty with this stuff is you don't have to like, I have this memory. Cause I have that with clients and I'm sure Danuki, you have that all the time. Like, but I, I want to remember what this is and you're like, you don't need, you don't need to know it. So how do, yeah. you, how do you work with clients when that, that shows up? I'm curious, you know, because we all have our own ways. I know Kim has her way of helping people through it. I have my way, and I'd love to hear how you show up for people that you work with Trade when the pain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sign up here, and you'll find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so once we have identified, usually – I use different modalities, right, depending on the person, depending on the situation, how far and how deep we can go. Sometimes I always start off with let's go into our bodies. Let's feel where we are feeling this. You know, there's something to be said for spiritual bypassing, right, and bypassing even the pain Mm -hmm. and not wanting to go there. So we really just feel it. Where are you feeling it in your body? What is familiar to you? And we stick with the feeling, right? Um, Again, not necessarily the event. But sometimes when they can't identify it, that's when I go into the emotion code and I will maybe bring up, let's say it's anger and resentment that came up from the age of eight. And then they will, they'll be like, that was it. Now I remember, or maybe they don't remember and they don't, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Let's just let it go, but let's sit with it and be okay with it. Mm -hmm. But I also like to, when I know that it's the age eight, we go into a meditation and I do guided Mm -hmm. meditations where then we can be with our Mm eight-year-old and we comfort them and we let them know that the adult, the loving, wise adult, Dinuka, is there. For eight year old Dinuka, are you there? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Right? All of that. So we really go through a kind of a somatic experience of the healing. Yeah. Um, and that's when we feel pain again sometimes, right? You're crying, right. you're, but that is part of the healing. And with emotion mm-hmm. code, even though it's not so felt, it's a very a kind of a quick fix, but. The next day you may be processing and you may be more angry and more resentful or you're throwing up or something Mm -hmm. like that. That is a reaction, which is what made me understand that pain was part of the healing. Right. And so whenever my clients say, Januka, I'm so sick. I feel nauseous. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so you're celebrating. You know? And they're like, oh, my gosh, you're so mean. <laughs> no, I'm not. This is, this is just part of it. Did I'm you really know? happy that you're going through this. Yeah, um, But it, it is temporary, as everything is temporary. And yeah. even as Dr. Gabor Mate says, let's sit with that feeling and know that it is temporary, Mm -hmm. everything passes and let's sit with it until until we can be okay with this feeling that we think is bad because it's not we're going to allow it to be yeah so I have a question
0: then and I love that and I 100% agree and you know so Tia and I have our children a little bit older than yours Um, your girls are 21 now right Tia yeah they're 21 and I have a 19 year old and a 22 year old and so, um, and I know yours are 11 and nine,
1: uh, 12 and 10 now, actually.
0: 12 and 10. Okay. So, um, my question is, do you, know, do we, can we, I guess it's more, can we help our children now to go through that process so that maybe they don't have as many layers of the iron when they get to their forties and fifties, you know, in thirties, like I, you know, I had so many freaking layers. My iron is so damn thick, right? right. It's like, and woulda, coulda, shoulda, I would, it doesn't matter, it can't change the past. My parents had no way of teaching me based upon, and, and there's no blame. It's just, it is what it is. So there's no blaming anyone, but it's, can we help this generation? to do
1: something different. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love how you brought that up because it is the inherited stuff as well that we don't Mm -hmm. even know about. I mean, people have lived through slavery, through civil wars, world wars, and they're carrying that trauma. Like Tia just mentioned this incident, that is the trauma that we are carrying and those children have their children. That's what we call epigenetics, right? right? Mm -hmm. And now there's science to show that this is actually happening from generation to generation. So in the emotion code, again, I'm just really selling this right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Um, In the emotion code, and you can see how passionate I am because it really just is amazing. In the emotion code, we identify what those inherited trapped emotions are, and Mm -hmm. we release it from us, which releases from the generations above, but also below, because That's not something they have asked for. Yes, it's the karma. We'll we'll continue with that too. But if we are trying to get to this level of consciousness, can we release them from it first, Mm -hmm. so that they can come out pure, and we can change generations, and not have that trauma, which then causes the violence, the aggression, the hatred, the segregations that are happening in the world? It's a far bigger healing that needs to happen collectively it's not just mm-hmm. me and my child relationship right. it's far greater than that mm-hmm. um and in their 40s you know maybe they'll go through the i need to find myself thing we're going through right? Who knows? <laughs> but we're doing the best that we can to release that and i want to give you an example of where i released a uh, trapped a uh, trap an inherited trapped emotion of hatred from one of my clients, mm. and it came back, came from her great-grandfather, and she wasn't surprised by it, and I said, oh, how come? She said, well, my, my great-grandfather was one of the founders of the Ku Klux Klan. Mm.
2: Like,
1: wow, fascinating. So she knew that, but that hatred can come and show up in many different ways that pass on to our children. Why? Why do we hold on to that? Let's let go of it, mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, so so I love
0: that. And I think that you can almost kind of start to see some patterns of different emotions. uh, At least I can like, um, in my family line, you know, where say for example, like my mom and my dad, they exemplified a lot of fear throughout my life. I have had a lot of fear. My kids have a lot of fear. Whereas like my husband doesn't have fear. He may have more of like Anger, So maybe there's like these kind of patterns that have been trickled down through different generations. And it just shows up, as you said, differently, whether it is, Oh, this family line has, a or this person has a lot of hatred, but here, like I, it, it's crazy how much fear there's fear, fear, fear. My mom, my dad, you know, my cousins, everybody, me, then, you know, I'm passing it on to my kids. So I, I love that we don't have to, again, be victims to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And pain has, or fear has been one of those pains in my life that I, to this day work on, on a daily basis to turn it into a power and to learn how to be in the present moment more and not so future based. So that I don't have so much fear going on needless fear. You know what I mean? The, that we get caught in
1: right one of the things I do with my children as well is again not relying completely on all modalities is to show them how to work through certain situations Mm -hmm. and so when I have done my own healing and I've lashed out on them and it has been completely unreasonable um, I have sat down with them and I've talked to them about my process that I went through and it's storytelling, and children yes. love Love mm-hmm. that. So I remember telling them just recently how, you know, at the age of ten, this happened, and when my parents reacted this way, I, this is how it made me feel. And I gave them the whole story, and they're just like, oh, right. Yes. And even at the age of ten and twelve, they still want to listen. But it's allowing them to know my process, which then will help them do their own, by through modeling mm-hmm. what I went through.
2: I love that you brought it up as storytelling because I think there's so much value. I mean, that used to be how things were taught and shared way back when, right? It was through storytelling. There's actually, I don't think he's still a professor here, but we had a, um, at our local, at UW Madison, there was a professor and he was an, a storyteller and he had gone to Af- many different African countries and was with many different tribes and he learned storytelling, because it's taught in reality, because it's passed down through generations. They talk about, you know, difficult moments, horrible things, beautiful things, you you know, because it all is what it is. It's not this or that, but just, and he used to travel to schools. And I remember, and he would go and tell stories, you know, old, long generational lines of African stories from various tribes within the continent. And it was beautiful. And the kids were just like, so focused. To, so to picture you stepping in to your pain, stepping into your process as a way of storytelling, not as a way of lecturing, right? Mm-hmm. Cause so many times we go into lecture or I'm going to teach, but with telling the stories and the history and tying it all together to the present makes it less, it's not luxury. It's not, it's just, let me tell you this experience that I had. Yeah. And so they can take the gifts from that story that they need for themselves yeah. instead of us deciding what they need. Right. They. I'm sure both of your boys both took away something different from when you share your stories of your process. Both because be. if they're, having a challenge with X and your other son is having a challenge with Y, they're going to pick those pieces out and make their healing their own process, which is, it's an individualized, what works for me may not work for you, but this helps me more than that helped you. And I just, I just, I just envision you sitting down
1: telling stories of your process. Yeah. And, and that story Can also show up in many different ways for them, right? Different stages of their life, where they'll pick out different things from the same story and go, "Exactly, oh, that's what that meant."
2: Right, right, and it's even like reading old stories or Mm -hmm. old books. Like, oh, I'm did I even read this before? I totally picked up a different message, and that's that beauty of storytelling through generations, or you know, um, through community in that we all heal from that. Like the circle groups that I do, one of the things we do is share our story. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's my absolute most favorite thing. And it's also one of the most painful because many times they show up. I mean, the first time I was a participant in a circle and shared my story, it was so painful writing my story, getting to know my story, all of a sudden, like, oh, I thought it was this. Now it's that. Now it's, this. so I learned from creating, writing my story down. And then when I shared it, And I listened to other people's stories when they would share it at a different, we would, everyone would share a story or two um, just once through the time together, but you collectively, it's like, Oh, I see myself in you. Even though the situation is completely different when we can see ourselves in another and we can witness their healing. We, a part of us heals as well. And so, the gift that you're doing with that storytelling. And, you know, I imagine in your preschool too, it's transferring there with the families and the kids there as well. I hope so. (laughs) That's so beautiful. What a beautiful
0: conversation. This was so amazing. So unless, Tia, do you have anything else that you wanted to ask before we go into the five questions? Well, of course I do, but we
2: can't (laughs) have a (laughs) two hour podcast. I mean, we could, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. we I mean, well, I have I just, a
0: part two. We can right. have Danu come back for another visit if she if you want to. Yeah. I would love yeah. that. Yeah,
2: that would be great because you you have so many different modalities and way that you show up for the people that you work with. And you. you know, one conversation is
1: not enough to touch on it all. Because we're yeah. always learning. And honestly, I'm learning exactly. a lot from my clients. Like you said, Tia just now, that when you it, different things are coming up. In different situations, but even when working with our clients, I say to them, "I'm so grateful to you guys because you're helping me grow even further and totally. more through your own healing." Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could even just have
2: a conversation about what shows up with the kids and the families in your school alone. I can only oh. imagine how many different situations yeah. and
1: different experience you know, because.
2: There's a lot of energy, I imagine, (laughs)
1: with 50 kids. I think that was one of the major reasons why I even went into conscious parenting, Mm. was seeing this pattern kept recurring. And it was like, what is going on here? How do I talk to parents about this, about their child's behavior? Mm. That is completely acceptable, right? Yes. Whereas a parent has so much pressure of judgment and doing things right and but anyway, that, that is another conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It would be
2: fun to have. Definitely. So we rounded out with five questions. So you
1: ready? Uh, Don't overthink me, it. You're putting me in this pain. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> putting you in pain. Place of pain right now. That's right. Okay.
0: <laughs> so step really? into the pain. Step into it.
2: <laughs> All right. What is one of the most prominent masks that you wear?
1: Hmm. Prominent, as in the ego. See, I'm, I mm-hmm. compare the mask as the ego. Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. Being the people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I you share know? your
0: pain on that. Yeah. We both share your pain on you. that one.
2: <laughs> if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Mm-hmm. So many choices.
1: <laughs> you know, I really want to go to Malaysia. Mm. That's what's coming to me right now. Mm.
2: Mm. Put me in your suitcase. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite way to take care of yourself?
1: I know this sounds so corny, but it, it really is being still. Mm. I really enjoy being still, and I can just hear Eckhart Tolle's words. I did his School of Awakening, and it was that constant message of be still. Mm. And the feeling you get from being still, there are no words to describe it. I really love being still. That's my mm. self care. I really felt
0: beautiful. That right now. Me too. That was okay,
1: awesome.
2: So I'm, I'm feeling the urge to just take a pause. We don't normally do this, but like yeah. just when you said, st- I'm like, oh, I could use a little stillness. So yeah. can we take just like 10 seconds just to be still? So whoever's listening, just stop what you're doing and just be still.
1: Hmm.
2: 10 seconds of stillness. How amazing is that?
1: I want to come out of it now.
2: I know that's actually, I was like, okay, we can't just be still and quiet for another 30 minutes on a podcast. Well, actually maybe we could sometime challenge that. Okay. So fourth question, what would be the number? If you have a bucket list, what's at the top? Number one. And you don't have to have a bucket list. If you don't have one, what would you just love to do right now? Or be right now?
1: That's a really tough one. Um, gosh, like, like I, I want to travel. I just want to travel the world right now. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the places I'm very aligned with is Nepal, uh, Sri Lanka, Mm -hmm. um, and Malaysia, that's more holiday kind of thing, but Nepal, I, I have a connection with my best friend is Nepalese. Um, I climbed Mount Everest. I did the base camp of Mount Everest and loved it. 14,000 feet. Um, and the people there are just the most beautiful, beautiful people, um, And I would love to go and either open a school or support an existing school, an orphanage. Um, The pencil, just a pencil, gives Mm -hmm. them so much joy. Mm -hmm. They have so much joy in their hearts. The material doesn't matter. And that's the lesson, really, that I felt when I was there. They would be... I'm going to give you this story. I'm sorry if I go over. But no, no, look, we'd love to it hear. It was I was visiting Kathmandu for my best friend's wedding, and I remember opening the the doors to my the balcony of the hotel room, and all you could see was like a shanty village with the the roofs, the tin roofs, and things like that. But you know what the sound was of children laughing <gasps> and screaming with joy, and it was this. It was. I just remember that feeling of opening that up and all I could see were kites and then I could see children with the tires and the sticks running down the road and there was so much joy in them and I thought this, this is life. It doesn't matter whether you're living in a mansion or you're living in a a shanty. Mm. The joy that these children were feeling was just beautiful but I would love to have children and people in these countries not have to worry about their next meal. Because okay. that in itself is that trauma that continues. And I want right. them to, to feel an abundance. And they feel abundance of joy just being. being. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, that's my bucket list. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I'm glad you shared that story. Thank you. Me too. That experience you had. Yeah. And the last question. What's one book that's changed your life? I know it's so hard to choose. I know (laughs) (laughs) there's lots, we all know we have lots, but what's one of them?
1: One that we don't hear much about, I'm gonna say really did change my life was Essentialism by Greg McGuin.
0: Mm.
1: We're both writing this down. Yeah, (laughs) I'll get that
0: after, so yeah.
1: I know the regular ones that will probably come up here. And all Mm -hmm. of them have changed my life in so many ways um, because they are impactful at different stages of our lives. And this was a stage in my life where I really, as a mother, as an entrepreneur, I needed to do only what was essential and move away from the people pleasing. Mm. That was my awakening in that.
0: Beautiful. Wow. Thank you so much for being here today, Danuka. And it was an absolute pleasure to meet you. It's the first time you and I got to met meet. And oh my God, like I just love your energy. I love your energy and just so grateful that the world has you to bring that out there and put it out there. It's amazing. And we absolutely need to have you come back so um but before we do close out for our listeners if they wanted to reach out to you how can they find you number one and then number two i think you have a gift for the listeners as
1: well do you want to share that sure um so the way you can find me is through um, the parenting um i do have a six-month coaching program it's a group collective. coaching program for six months because it takes time Um, and my gift I would love to offer is really sitting in that stillness Mm -hmm. and a meditation that I would love to offer to stay stay and be Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it's just that grounding feeling Mm -hmm. Love that. that I'd like to offer Thank you
0: so, so much. And we'll have all that information in the show notes as well, so that our listeners can find it easily. So yes, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you again, Danuka for being here. What a great conversation. And we do appreciate all of your support. If you like what you heard today, give us a thumbs up or subscribe. As you know, we always appreciate your support. Thank you again for
2: sharing your beautiful energy, or wisdom. And I know I will be grabbing that meditation. Great. Thank you Thank for you. that. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day, everyone. Bye. Thank you
0: for joining us for this episode of Masks Off. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe and share with friends and family. Check out the show notes for how to contact us. Remove your masks. Live your life. See you next time on Masks Off.